What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs. Victory Monday for the Miami Dolphins. Today's episode is dedicated to Miami's 32-15 win over the Houston Texans. So let's dive in. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your team every day here on the Locked On Network. This is Locked On Dolphins. If you're unfamiliar, I'm a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. I'm the director of scouting and co-founder of the DraftNetwork.com. And very much enjoying yet another check-in this week at Club Dub. The Dolphins with a 30-15 to victory over the Houston Texans in a game that felt like it was really over before it began. Um, had a chance to go down, uh, partake the game at Hard Rock Stadium. We're going to talk about what we experienced. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 extra money on your entry. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. So, Miami. 30 to nothing lead at halftime very quickly became the most anticlimactic finish of the season. But hey, th- like, let's be fair. This is also what we were asking for, right? And there's plenty of storylines. We're going to talk about Teron Armstead. We're going to talk about the play calling and like all that. We've been asking for some non stressful <laughs> finishes because we know when rubber meets the road, and that time starts right now. Rubber meets the, mo- the road starting right now for the Miami Dolphins you're going to have some stressful moments. Miami commandeered control of this game extremely quickly. Uh, I want to give a tip of the cap to the defense specifically for the way that they came out out of the bye and set the tone. And even after, um, even after the dogs were called off, right? Houston finished the game with 210 yards of offense, they averaged 3.6 yards per play. They rushed the ball for 36 yards in total. They turned the ball over three times. I mean, Dolphins haven't had that kind of turnover production hardly ever this season. It's one of the best the entire picture defensive performances, and you would expect it to be based on Houston being Houston and who they are, but the fact that the defense showed up, you dominated the line of scrimmage in both phases of playing defensive football. You really got after the quarterback. It feels really good. Uh, That is, I think, a step for this Dolphins team, obviously having a defensive score. Xavier Howard getting his hands on the football. Bradley Chubb with a strip sack. Jalen Phillips running around like a madman. I thought the linebackers for the Dolphins uh, for the second consecutive game played their best football. Jerome Baker had was in on a couple of plays. Elandon Roberts was really, really authoritative between the tackles against a running back like Damian Pierce, who will get downhill if you let him, and he'll give you a really hard time. Damian Pierce rushed five times for eight yards against Dolphins. Dolphins in total sacked Kyle Allen five times. He had a QBR, ESPN QBR 4.2. That's on a 100-point scale. I mean, they, they got after him up front. 
I thought the defense, obviously, tip of the cap to Van Ginkle and Verone McKinley for getting their hands on footballs. Verone McKinley, kind of cool, another UDFA. He's playing some high safety late in the football game. Houston's kind of trying to stress you out a little bit by coming back a little bit. They score 15 points in the second half. Miami doesn't score any. Um, and Verone McKinley gets his hands on a football that was left inside down the field, and, and that was all she wrote. I thought that was great. I thought it was great to see him make a play. I know there's a lot of people, a lot of fans of the team who are hopeful for him. I know he's very close with Javon Holland, so him getting the chance to be down here, it's, it's a cool storyline. Very cool storyline. Uh, so d- defensively, I think the, the Dolphins should have a lot of pride in the, the way that they've played the last two weeks. I think they've played their two most complete efforts against the Cleveland Browns and against the Houston Texans. Which is good because now you got the San Francisco 49ers and Debo Samuel, assuming his hamstrings healthy, and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey. And it's a little different dynamic. And, and I think the Dolphins, one thing I will say between the rest and the last two games the Dolphins defense played, I feel like they're ready and primed and capable of playing their best football of the year in these matchups. And I think if you tackle well in the open field against San Francisco, I think the Dolphins will win this football game. But that's a conversation for the rest of the week. Uh, we, we've obviously got a lot to focus on. Um, about Jason Sanders, had a perfect day kicking the ball. I know everybody's kind of uh, been eyeing Sanders and his performance, and he was three for three and had a long of 45 and kicked three extra points and, we saw Thomas Morstead from a special teams perspective after not seeing Evans Cleveland, and he punted the ball six times. Uh, had a couple nice punts. Uh, I thought the return team was a little loose a couple of times. Uh, first guys down didn't get didn't get returned on the ground. Um, but hey, we're gonna knock the rust off from the bye week and the fact that we punted twice in three games prior. <laughs> um, you're willing to live with that, but it was great seeing like guys like Keon Crossan, who we didn't know if he was going to be able to play, uh, and he was out there and and performing. So uh, I don't think, from a special teams perspective, there was, there was too much. I do want to leave plenty of room to talk about the offense because we have to talk about two and his performance. We have to talk about the balance of the wide receivers. We have to talk about why the running game happened the way the running game happened with 2.5 yards per carry against Houston. Uh, we need to talk about Teron Armstead. A lot of offensive storylines that we're going to have to dive through uh, coming out of this game and, and try to figure out, you know, what what the status is of Teron Armstead. I know he's a pec strain. Ian Rappaport said he missed some time. I don't know what that means. Missed some time. Um, but before we get into all that, before we open up that can of worms, uh, today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by Audible. Audible is releasing a slate of new football podcasts that we're sure you're going to love. Find Block Forever now, wherever you get your podcasts. Block Forever is a brand new podcast from former NFL All-Pro Ryan Khalil and Audible. Khalil takes the conversation about football to the next level, giving football fans an insider's look at the game through the eyes of the greatest players and personalities of all time. You'll hear Christian McCaffrey talk about his love-hate relationship with fantasy football and Juju Smith-Schuster Give his most honest opinions of other players and positions across the league. New episodes of Block Forever will be recorded and released each week ahead of Thursday Night Football. Available for free on Audible or where you get your podcasts. Catch the full Block Forever series available 
anywhere you get your podcast, available everywhere. Now, Audible, get in the game. So offensively, um, let's start with Teron Armstead. Uh, he left the game, and the Dolphins promptly gave up a lot of pressure pretty quickly, and Tua Tungvaloa got knocked around a little bit, and he almost took points off the board. And then it wasn't soon after that that Skylar Thompson came in, came in and played the rest of the game. Got Tua got two series in the second half. I will say, you know, I I think if you're going to have to play without Teron Armstead for a couple of weeks, it doesn't have to look as bad as what it felt like it was on Sunday against Houston. But we're going to have to do the thing. And do the thing. You're like, what's that, Kyle? If Brandon Shell played the last six weeks, at right tackle. And then he comes back out of the bye and is the swing tackle because Austin Jackson is back as the starting right tackle. And then Teron Armstead goes down. I understand from a continuity perspective and the buildup of the week or the, the extended time of, of practice and game planning and the conversion effort that's been put into Austin Jackson playing the right tackle spot. But if Toronto Armstead's going to go down and you know that Brandon Shell can play right tackle, and you need Shell and Jackson to play in the game, I would put the guy who's played sufficient at right tackle back at right tackle Instead of your only other sample size of Brandon Shell playing left tackle this year was against the Jets, and it was his worst game of the year. So if you're going to have to play without Toronto Armstead, I'm going to put Brandon Shell back at right tackle where he's played sufficiently well for six games. And I'm going to take Austin Jackson and put him at left tackle. And I understand you'll hear left side of that line. It's, it's, a, it's a little scary. Sure, it's a little scary with Robert Jones and Austin Jackson. But if you're going to have to play without Tron Armstead for a couple of weeks with, quote-unquote, missing some time, you know what Brandon Shell is as a swing tackle. And he ain't it. He's a right tackle only. He's played right tackle, like, exclusively his NFL career. And he can be, you can get by with him. So I'd put him there. And then I would take Austin Jackson. And unfortunately, year three's kind of been a, a stinky experience for Austin from the sense that, and, and this is assuming whatever he tweaked is, is okay. But you're going to have to bounce around. You, you're behind the eight ball. You missed the first half of the season. And I'm not saying the Dolphins staff did this, but I'm not making any concessions for Austin for long-term development of a first-round pick when I'm eight and three and trying to win some freaking football games. I'm not just going to keep him at right tackle because, oh, that's where we want it to be long-term. I'd be like, dude, you got to go over to the other side. I know you know how to play there. You played there for forever. I know you can do it. You know who we know can't do it? Brandon. So Brandon's going to stay at right tackle. So I don't think, I'm not freaking out. Obviously, I'm hoping we see Toronto Armstead as soon as possible. 
because there's no question the line is exponentially better when he's on. Even at like 70% Toronto Armstead. But I'm not freaking out about Tua taking the kind of hits that he did there as soon as Armstead left the game and be like, wow, we have no chance to move the ball. I think you do some things differently from a personnel standpoint. I think you do some things differently from a schematic standpoint. I thought it was very interesting that both Tua and Mike McDaniel fell on the sword for the protection breakdown, saying Tua said, the plays that I picked didn't put those guys in good spots. And Mike McDaniel said, we were way too aggressive and we did not put our tackles in good spots. So, and you could tell that that as that game wore on, Miami, they, they wanted to continue to be aggressive passing the ball, right? Tua passed the ball 36 times and he had 200, over 275 yards passing the first half. And Tua missed effectively the last 25 minutes of the football game, 20 minutes of the football game, and he passed the ball still 36 times. 8.3 yards per uh, attempt. 299 yards, one touchdown, sacked four times. Pass rating of 96.9. QBR, that ESPN metric out of 100 of 82.8. It's a strong performance from Tua. Nice job on the off-script stuff. Made a couple things happen. Um, had the scary, uh, the one scary hit where he kind of got his legs rolled up on. Tua said he was fine. Um, but that's that's a realm in which if you're going to have to live without Tehran for any period of time, that that snap to whistle, that timeliness of those decisions, it's going to have to speed up. It, it, you're not going to you're not going to be able to give teams the chance. And if that means that you don't push the ball down the field and you're a little bit more horizontal for a few weeks, okay. We'll put all the eye candy in the world on it. Nick Bosa could be tough to block regardless. Khalil Mack's going to be tough to block regardless. We'll see if Von Miller's available for the Bills or not. But just reflecting on week 12 and Tua Tungvaloa and time to throw, 2.64. Can we get a couple games where we're in the two threes and two fours and just really remove all doubt? Everybody's hurting on the offensive line right now across the league. It's, it's just the unfortunate reality of the business. And I'm hopeful that we'll see Tehran soon. And that the the pec strain is nothing worse, and that it doesn't offer too big of a, a hang up for for Tehran. But the number one thing for me is, I think it's apparent you're playing Brandon Shell way out of position to put him at left tackle, especially when you know what the product looks like at right tackle. So. That, for me, is a big thing coming out of this game that, that I hope that we see them do differently with San Francisco. We obviously have the two-week road trip. But uh, I thought the offense really found its rhythm early. They started this game very fast, of course. With, with They moved the ball in bunches. Um, stalled out on the first drive. Went 59 yards. They had good field. They won the field position battle like the, the entire game. Um, took advantage of a short field. But like Houston getting 
negative three yards in their first two drives while Miami scored on both. Um, it's been an element for Miami that I, I think, especially the first September, October, we talked a lot about starting field position. And like the Dolphins had like the worst starting field position of any team in the league just because they weren't getting quality contributions from their special teams. And the defense was a bend, but don't break defense. So the defense would would bend and buckle down. And then, okay, now you got to go 80 yards. Well, scoring drives, 39, 59, 3, 72. Defensive touchdown, 71 on the first half. I made the mistake at the stadium of tweeting 50-burger incoming <laughs> when the Dolphins scored the defensive touchdown to score 27. Uh, silly old me. And you know, you know, I was indeed at the stadium because my voice sounds like what it sounds like this morning. It was fun. It was a fun game. Um, I really, I was really surprised that they did not get the run game going. And you didn't have Raheem Mostert, so we knew that coming in. Jeff Wilson finishes with 13 for 39 in the touchdown. Gaskin was in 6 for 17. Skyler scrambled six times and got five yards. I was surprised they finished with 66. Um, and I know it, it kind of stabilized itself a little bit towards the end when they were looking to, to run the clock and whatnot. And, and I was glad that we got a chance to see some Dolphins players selectively removed from the game so that you could do the thing we talked about last Friday, which was, Get some valuable reps for less experienced guys and guys that aren't high up on the depth chart. You love the fact that the defense didn't put you in a position where you had to put the starters back out there if they kept giving up points. And that was something that was acknowledged by Tua. He said, you know, I, I was ready to come back in if I had to to try to close this game out because they were getting ready to try and make it a one-score game there at the very end. And um, it did not come to that, thank goodness. But... Um, I, I think offensively, there's a lot to be excited about the, the protection being what it was. I think they were, I don't think they changed their mentality of how they were playing offense when they should have with Toronto Armstead. Like you're going to, you're going to play a different game when Toronto Armstead outs out there, just like you're going to play a different game when Xavier Howard's not out there, just like you're going to play a different game when the Tua Tonga Valoa is not out there. You know what it is? It's, you have some elite football players on this roster and elite football players change the math and changing the math is a really big thing for me, especially with draft network and doing player evaluation. When I'm, I'm scouting college players, I'm asking myself, how does this guy change the math and the dynamics of the game? Tron Armstead does that because instead of blocking with seven, you can most of the time block with six and shoot the dolphins go empty this year, way more than they ever had before with Brian Flores. And they block with five. And you stretch the field out. And it works well. So you lost a math changer, and the Dolphins didn't change how they played. So I'm not surprised that it wasn't successful. And I think, that, I think Tua and, and Coach McDaniel kind of indirectly told you that as well. So I know that was the number one question was, oh, my God, protection. It's, what is going on? The wheels falling off the bus. Are we toast if we don't have Teron? No. This guy's not falling, but Teron's an elite player. So you need to have him. So whatever needs to happen for him to get back, 
at at effect an effective level of play sooner rather than later. I'm hoping is the outcome that we get. This was a fun game, man. It was fun to be down there too. It was first of all, I'm sure you guys don't don't care too much about the personal decisions I made, but I flew down out of Baltimore on the 6 a.m. flight on Sunday morning. Got picked up by a few friends. Shout out to Andy um, and Susan. And got to the stadium about 9, 9.15. Tailgated, did the team shop. Saw some friends. Went into the game. Did the game, drove right to the airport. <laughs> I was on the last flight out at 11 o'clock. So I was at Bo Campers at, at Fort Lauderdale Airport on uh, Sunday night watching the rest of the, the games until my flight left at 9 o'clock. And then I landed at Baltimore at 11.15. It's a heck of a day. But I wanted a chance to get down there for a couple reasons. Obviously, the Dolphins are playing good football. Obviously, you felt good about your chances to go down and see a win. But I wanted to go down to see what the fans were going to be like. That was one of the big storylines for me was what, what, is this, what is this fan base going to feel like for this game? And I will tell you, I have never seen, and I understand it's a one and it was a one nine and one Houston Texans team that you just played. But I have never seen the stadium that full and definitively in Dolphins colors. And I've been going to games for a few years now. It was definitively a lot of Dolphins fans showed up. At the tailgate, there's a lot of tents. A lot of tents. The tide is, is swinging. So if you are native, or if you're not native, but you want to be a part of it, they obviously have two more home games this year. They've got uh, the Packers on Christmas Day, and then they have the Jets on January 8th. Looking at the schedule, you might get a home playoff game this season. And if you do, The Rock is going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy because I was excited for the turnout of Dolphins fans that we got for the Texans, and the ratio of fans was never better in the time that I've been coming to games. So I think that's obviously very exciting as well, and one of the reasons why I wanted to make sure I had a chance to come down and, and see the Dolphins play. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by Prize Picks. Daily fantasy done right. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 extra money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's you versus the house. The projections available. They offer projections on any sport that you can watch. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, and with safe and fast withdrawals, it's currently operational in over 30 states in Canada. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. You put in $100, they'll give you another $100. Put in $50, they'll give you another $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. That is prizepicks.com or the app at prizepicks. So... Bringing this thing to a close. Um, shout out Jalen Waddle. Uh, it was targeted 10 times. He had the big catch down the field. Had a couple of the balls that, that just kind of narrowly got through his hands. Uh, 
could have been an even bigger day for Jalen. Uh, but he now sits at the season with 56 receptions for 963 yards and six receiving touchdowns. Uh, Waddle set the record for most receiving yards in his first two seasons with the Dolphins. A new franchise record. Uh, Tyreek Hill, six for 85. He resumed first place uh, in the NFL's receiving standings from, from a yardage perspective. Waddle sits fifth. And Waddle is, I'm not a math guy, so apologies for dropping the ball in this. 37 yards from 1,000, and he is 37 yards from fourth place. Tyreek is one yard ahead of Justin Jefferson and remains in the lead. Uh, Justin Jefferson's actually been targeted more times now to this point in the season than Tyreek Hill has. Tyreek Hill still out in front, one yard advantage. Uh, so those two guys, stirs that straw the drink for you offensively, of course. Uh, Tua Tungavaloa with his 299-yard performance um, is shattering all of his personal bests. Uh, the From a passing leader's perspective, Tua sits 13th in the NFL in passing yards uh, with 2,564. 2, uh, the passing leader's Patrick Mahomes has 3,585. So to put that into a little bit better perspective, because obviously Tua missed time, Tua is fifth in the NFL in yards per game. Patrick Mahomes, excuse me, he's fourth. Joe Flacco does not count. Joe Flacco, who's played three games. So Mahomes with 325. Josh Allen, 289. Joe Burrow, 287. Tua Tungvaloa, 284. And that number would be even higher if Tua didn't miss more than a half of the Cincinnati game. So it's 19 touchdowns now to three interceptions. Tua sets the franchise record for most consecutive pass attempts without an interception. It looked like he had one thrown early in the second half, but uh, the defense call got, got called for defensive pass interference. So uh, a couple significant hurdles uh, for the Dolphins as far as marks and metrics. And, and for Tua, you know, to now be 2,564, when you put that in the, the perspective of what he's done for his career, he's 90, 89 yards away from setting a new single-season career high in passing yards, and he's done, played nine games. He's set a career high in passing touchdowns in a single season with 19 already. Uh, it's... It, you can't quantify the statistical production that the Dolphins are getting. And what it looks like against San Francisco will, I think, really define the true candidacy of, of Tua Tungvalu as an MVP candidate. There's no question when you watch the Dolphins with Tua versus without Tua, the candidacy that he has is extremely strong. But for the voters to vote for Tua, he has to keep the exact level of production that he has had over the last six weeks, and he's got to do it for the next. And if he does, he's got a real chance to win the MVP. And he has a legitimate argument right now for that award. That's why he's second in the voting, or second in the odds. 
I hope we I hope we see it. it. It was really cool to sit in the stands and listen to MVP chants for a Miami Dolphins quarterback. Right? It's been a minute since that. But this it, it was a fun game. I, I think everybody kind of got ho hum in the second half because the Dolphins didn't they they took took the dogs off, I think is is one way to put it, right? They I don't want to say they took their foot off the brakes or foot off the gas. Um, but it wasn't a pretty close to the game. And what was a very fun and dynamic and explosive and dominant performance uh, in the first half. Everybody kind of watched the second half unfold. And I think everybody kind of knew the outcome of the game at that point. And it just did, it took the wind out of the sails for what I, I think is still a very exciting performance for the Dolphins for how dominant that they showed that they were when they were uh, attacking and playing their style of football. So uh, we're going to get into the All-22 this morning. We're going to uh, have the All-22 review for you guys tomorrow on the show. Kind of going back into the coaches tape, I did get a very good look. My, my seats are in the uh, 300 level looking right down the middle of the field. Uh, so I do get like an All-22 view. Uh, and what I loved, uh, I will say, that you wouldn't see from a TV copy is you're identifying a lot of the matchups and formational lineups and when strong spots and weak spots. And you're like, Oh yeah, like here's, here's your matchup. You want to come to this side. And it was the plays went exactly where you would see from sitting in the, the 10,000 foot view, looking down on it. You're like, this is a really good opportunity. And that's where the ball went. And it was play after play after play after play after play. It was great. That was really cool. And I, I already know from a coach's film perspective, that's going to be a great takeaway for this. Uh, but I hope you guys had some great takeaways for this as well. Appreciate your patience as I get back from my one-day journey. Uh, um, so I know Club Dub usually drops a couple hours after the game, but obviously uh, with the travel accommodations, we wanted to, to make sure we got home. We got a couple hours of sleep before we hit the ground running this morning. So uh, Club Dub, we're in it again. Hope you guys enjoy the stay. And let's get the next one. Let's get, let's one more, let's punch one more. And let's just every week worry about one more. The San Francisco 49ers are up next for the Dolphins West Coast trip upcoming. And we're about to find out real quick just how real this Dolphins team is. But make no mistake, they're for real. <laughs> 